Hello and welcome to another episode of A Brother's Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and we explore the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared, and today we continue our Credo episodes, uh, where we talk about a certain creed, or a, a single credo or an attribute that you can add to your, uh, your, your personal creed, which is a set of principles or beliefs that you live your life by. And the one today we're going to talk about is fairness. Uh, fairness is uh, an interesting topic, and it's uh, it's all around us. It's in nature, you know, the sun, uh, the daylight, the uh, the nighttime, the seasons. Everything is. It's. I think it's. It's fairness is like in the fi- fiber of the world, uh, and I think that in many ways God created the earth in some ways to showcase that fairness uh, in many different ways. Uh, but I think there's also a lot of unfairness in life. Uh, they say life is never fair. Uh, so we're going to talk about today a few, uh, we're going to talk about some interesting, there's so many different aspects of fairness you can talk about, but Ethan yeah. and I have chose two different ones, and so we will explore it. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Most valuable commodity I know of is information. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. You're not the devil. You're practice. Okay, so fairness. This is really interesting, and you could take this in any direction you possibly could think of, right? When I think of fairness, I think of, you know, maybe balance or justice or, um, you know, I think of my kids saying, that's not fair, right? I think of myself saying, well, dang, that's not fair. <laughs> you know, I think of... um you know, someone who you would think that doesn't deserve something um, that they get and you don't, you know, um, I think of work-life balance, right? I think of, there's, just, there's so many things. Um, but one story that kind of just kept coming up in my mind as I was mulling this over uh, in my preparation was um, – the story that I'm sure most people have have heard, um, but this is this story took place once upon a time in the grand old city of Jerusalem, and there once lived uh, two women in Jerusalem that shared a terrible dispute over a baby. Right, both of these women claimed that they were the mother of this child. One of the mothers had lost a child. And the other mother, they, they both had birth children at the same time. Uh, one mother had lost a child and the other mother didn't. And so the argument grew so heated um, that both women actually were claiming right to this child. They were both saying, this is my child. No, it's my child. And they were arguing back and forth. Didn't have DNA tests back then to, to prove it. The argument grew so heated that it actually reached the ears of the king who was... King Solomon. King Solomon, yeah. Right, so King Solomon was a very wise king uh, to a certain extent. He had lots of experience. Um, and concubines. 
and concubines, right? <laughs> that's that's for that's for a different story. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> um. So what he did is he called these two women to court and decided to run a test. Uh, maybe this would be a test of of fairness or a test of, um, I don't know, to decide who really was the true mother of of this child, who was the who was the imposter, right? So in his wisdom, King Solomon devised this plan to not only teach a lesson, uh, but to determine who was the mother of the child. So uh, one woman, so what what happened was they came before the king and he ordered that the baby be brought before him. And so he announced his judgment and he ordered a sword be brought into the chamber. And he said, since you both claim, talking to the mothers, since you both claim to be the mother of this child and cannot agree, we shall cut the baby in half, giving each one half, giving each of you one half. And uh, one woman, upon hearing the judgment, she cried in anguish and pleaded with the king, don't hurt the child, don't hurt the child. And... She said, uh, your majesty, spare the baby's life. Give the child to the other woman if it will save its life and do not harm it. So that was what one mother said. One mother said, no, just don't hurt the baby. Don't hurt the baby. Just, you know, give it to the other mother and let, let her have it. The other woman, however, she did not show as much concern about the well-being of this particular baby. And... Uh, kind of the story goes, she agreed with the king and said, okay, well, let's cut the baby in half and each share half, right? But I think the basically the, 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 the moral of the story there was that one woman was so concerned that she gave up her right to save the child and the other mother was not nearly concerned. And so obviously King Solomon saw right through the kind of the true natures of these, of these women's hearts. Uh, and was able to determine who the true mother of the child was. And obviously it was the first one who was willing to sacrifice and willing to give up uh, potentially something that wasn't wasn't fair, right? But was willing to do something that was difficult out of love. So this story to me is kind of a story of, of trials, a story of fairness, maybe empathy, a willingness to sacrifice the well-being of uh, uh, your sacrifice for the well-being of others. Uh, it kind of went into that justice and judgment type, you know, what is fair amongst disputes. And it made me think that, you know, sometimes life, obviously, the story goes is life isn't fair. Sometimes we might feel like the 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 mother who says just give up the baby as long as the baby doesn't get harmed. And then I think sometimes we're probably like the mother that's just like, yeah, you know, cut the baby in half. I want my half. I want my share. You know, I want my portion. And there's less empathy. There's less um, maybe balance mm-hmm. in, in what's going on. Sometimes there's not going to be balance. Sometimes everything's not going to be fair. And so it was just kind of a lesson to me to, to how am I seeing situations and other people's situations and am I reacting versus am I responding versus reacting in a situation or am I seeing the big picture and uh, even though things might not be fair, 
am I am I working to come to the best outcome? So well, that's I think, my that was my story. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like how 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 are is one going to, to determine if something is fair or not? If I look it's at my the, neighbor, the be- yeah, beauty I, is in the eye of the beholder, right? It's like what's fair? Yeah, if I look at my neighbor and I say, oh, this guy is super rich, and that's not fair. Like, how is it not fair? Like, maybe he worked. Like, I don't know the intricacies of his life enough to know that he fairly or unfairly got that or what he has or but even if he did get it unfairly i think that there's a like looking at someone's life and saying oh they're rich that's not fair that's such a one-dimensional a singular dimension of how to look at someone's life but maybe like oh that's not fair that person won the lottery and i didn't okay yeah but the lottery totally destroyed their life so what is fair you know and I think that it's, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, I think that envy is like a, a lot of what I've always like. You know, I love the uh, the seven deadly sins and that story of King Solomon. And then like the, this idea of like looking at what your neighbor has. I feel like that's such like an, like that's, and that's the personification of envy. Uh, and I think that when folks are envious, uh, a way to mask that is to say, "Oh, that's not fair," uh, and it's yeah. because they envy what someone else has, and it's and they're mask, but they're masking their own, uh, like sinful vir- jealousy, yeah. lack of virtue, sinful, sinful yeah. uh, like the deadly sins. You, you call a sin. I think it's just like uh, they're masking their own bad attributes of envy with a positive moral like fairness. Because who's not going to believe in fairness, right? Well, and it pushes. It kind of pushes the. I don't want to use your. I don't want to use the word sin, but it kind of pushes the issue on the other person. Like, oh, that's not fair. Yeah. So it's it's not my fault that it's not fair. It's their fault that it's not fair. Yeah. And so it kind of pushes the insecurity on someone else that, you know, maybe they got their money fairly. Yeah. Or... And then it makes you the victim, and people love being the victim. Oh yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm envious. Uh, mm, I don't like the the sound of me being envious. So now I'm going to become the victim. That's not fair. Look what they got, and I don't have that. I work just as hard. So I, I think that that happens a lot. But in some ways, I, I do think that there is un, 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 unfairness uh, in our in our society. One thing that uh, I kind of went along the same themes, um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the symbolism of Lady Justice or um, the... Uh, which many people know of. So like Lady Justice is one of the most prominent figures uh, and allegorical personifications to ever exist. Uh, lots of folks recognize the statues all over the world. Uh, Lady Justice is the supposed moral compass across all judicial systems and is the ultimate symbol of impartiality, fairness, uh, that apply to everyone regardless of religion, race, uh, power uh, or stature, and so uh, there's a couple different. You guys might know this. It's, it's a statue of a woman, and she's holding in her left. Well, sometimes it's depicted differently. Sometimes it's in the left hand. Sometimes it's in the right hand. Uh, but she's holding a scale, uh, and the idea with the scale is that it symbolizes a thorough weighing of the evidence and claims presented to her. And so she's weighing this this thing, and it's a scale that uh, 
if if there's if it's more evidence on one side and it's that is heavier, that's going to drop further, and so you you will have that decision. And another one of the tenets that you will commonly see with Lady Justice, um, but uh, not always, is a blindfold. Uh, sometimes that's actually not included in the, in depictions of her, but in many it is. The blindfold is a symbolism of objectivity and impartiality that someone will be feated, treated fairly uh, with this judgment. And I think that uh, this unbiased look is so important. I feel like in our society right now, with whether that be Supreme Court justices or local justices, like there has to be a uh, an unbiased look. And so I, I, instead of talking about the negative, I'll talk about the positive. Uh, well, something that I, I I saw in the news that I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, there's the, recently there's a, a New Mexico mayor who basically is saying, oh, we need because there's been gun violence in our city, we need to do a month long pause on anybody's right to carry a gun at all. Uh, so she's basically trying to pause or or put a stop to the Second Amendment. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were not happy about that. None of the sheriff's department said they were going to enforce it, and it, you can't just pause people's uh, their constitutional amendments. I, unless In a state of emergency, I can do whatever I want. That is kind said. of true under like a martial law situation, so I think that's what she was trying to get at, but she didn't declare martial law. And so uh, there's, these, there's this judge that is actually appointed by Biden. So with that, you'd expect like, oh, yeah, this guy's just going to, you know, he's just going to side with whatever anti-gun policy because that's how things are basically done nowadays is just by politics. But actually, he uh, he froze her order and he said this is unconstitutional. And uh, he put a freeze to that. So I was like, hey, you know, I love that impartiality. Let's say like this is not part of the Constitution, like our oath is to uphold the constitution and this breaks that and so he he put a freeze to that so i think it's you know that's the kind of blind justice i when i think that uh for me whenever the uh kyle rittenhouse case happened and that uh that whole thing went through and all the stuff that was in the media said about him and everything and then they went through and weighed all the evidence and showed everything they televised the whole thing and it was abundantly clear that he was innocent he may have been an idiot in some ways but he was innocent of the charges that he was charged with uh, i was like there's still hope for our system um so anyway so but going back to lady justice that was a little side tangent uh there is a blindfold kenosha kid kenosha kid there's a blindfold uh also sometimes she's represented with a toga uh that is representative of the significance the with the mantle of responsibility and high level philosophy that accompanies those who practice law and enforce justice. So sometimes you'll see that. And then one of the other principal things is a double-edged sword. So it symbolizes authority, respect, transparency in the ruling that could go either way. So it's a. I think it's interesting that it's a double-edged sword in that, you know, like with... With anything, when you talk about double-edged sword, it's like it could hurt others just as much as it could hurt you. Uh, and so there's no dis- the the justice will be met, whether that's against 
themselves or against somebody else. And so it that cuts both ways. And so I think that's a really cool symbol. Primarily, there's three kind of symbols that are most popular. The blindfold, the weight, uh, the scales, and then the sword. Uh, actually, the Lady Justice is is fashioned after the Greek goddess Themis, which is uh, honored as clear-sighted, uh, and the Roman goddess Justicia, which is who is honored as representing the virtue of justice. So, I think that uh, this. I think I think Dad has like a statue of this in his house, probably inherited from Grandpa from some lawyer's office next to the stagecoach. Yeah, but uh, I think it's a really cool symbolism uh, of what fairness is and what a, a civil society should, should strive for in the way that we weigh and measure. Uh, and provide equal protection and unbiased rulings uh, under the law. And if we get to a place where we abandon that, or Lady Justice is being paid off, uh, or the judges are corrupt, or as soon as that symbol becomes less important to our society, and we're now just doing favors, or these are, or we're weaponizing the government, or weaponizing these judges, uh, I think that's a downhill. And I think we have entered in that in some ways, uh, but I think in some ways there are there is good out there. So those are my thoughts on fairness. Agreed. I think that's great. Yeah, uh, Lady Justice, that's a good one. Um, well, w- with that, let's learn from today's conversation about fairness uh, and all of its qualities. Obviously, there's so many different facets of this, but how can you apply fairness in in your own life, in, to your own creed, uh, in your interactions with your your family and your friends, uh, those that you work with, and those in the community? How can you be more fair with people? Uh, and how can you teach that, yeah, sometimes things aren't always fair or what seems to be fair? So let's apply it to our lives, and let's build that creed together. Let's do it. <laughs>